0: Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show on the SOT Radio Network, where we expose the lies and emphasize the truth about health in our modern world.
1: Welcome, everybody. It is October 9th. Uh, Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show on the SOT Talk Radio Network. Uh, Joining me today, I'm Doug, and joining me today in our virtual studio are uh, Tiffany, Erica, and we have a special guest, Adam, with us today. So, uh, unfortunately, Jonathan and Gabby could not join us. Um, So today, we are going to be talking about exercise. What are the benefits? How much is too much? What's the best type? Does exercise exercise have mental health benefits? It seems like, uh, you know, when people are putting together kind of a health program or doing things to kind of benefit their health, uh, you know, they look at diet, they look at uh, minimizing their exposure to toxicity and EMFs. Uh, They might look at some remedies and things like that to help with specific conditions they have. But exercise always seems to get put on the back burner. Uh, It's kind of like we have this natural resistance to wanting to do anything physical, uh, whether that be inertia or whatever the case may be. But exercise is a very important piece of the puzzle. So today we're going to be uh, kind of looking into that a little bit more. Um, So yeah, exercise. What do you guys think? (laughs) I like it. Yeah. You too. yeah. <laughs> Do it. Do <Yeah>. it. <laughs> it's really funny because I know for myself, exercise was literally the last thing that I kind of adopted and and looked into. And it really was the kind of thing where um, you know, I was changing my diet and, and started losing weight and everything was kind of going well in that in that side of things. but it was like the thought of actually going out there and purposely putting myself in physical pain you know moderate physical pain obviously it's not a, a you know super intense pain I'm not like driving nails into my hands or anything like that but it, you know it, it there was such a resistance to it and I don't know if you guys have had, kind of had that same sort of uh of, of reaction
2: yeah the the body is kind of wired to be a lazy overeater mm-hmm. so oh, yeah I mean <laughs> so it kind of like makes sense that there's a A natural resistance to the expenditure of energy um, physically. Yeah, no, I definitely have come up against that a lot.
3: I think that once you get over that actual hump when you first start exercising and you kind of get into a groove and you get into that zone, it feels good as long as you're not overdoing it. Um, Yeah. I'm one of those people, like if I go keto or paleo or whatever, If I want to lose weight, I have to exercise. I'm not going to lose weight any other way. I know that people are saying here and there, oh, you don't need exercise to lose weight. Maybe some people don't, but I know that I do. Uh, And I know that I like it most of the time. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for me, it was funny because when I first switched to keto, the the weight just melted off for me. Like, I was losing it at a rapid rate, and I was kind of like, ah, I don't need exercise. I'm fine. You know, I just have to adjust my diet. And uh, But what I found was that body composition-wise, I really needed to exercise to kind of change that because although I was losing weight, it suddenly like more things started becoming apparent that, you know, I wasn't kind of standing up straight and, and, and all these other kinds of things, like my physical body wasn't a good shape, I guess is what it was. Mm-hmm. And when I started doing kind of um exercise, I started getting into kind of the whole move mat thing, um, which I think we're gonna go into a little bit more later, but um the the change in my the the shape of my body was pretty quick. Like it was over a couple of months, suddenly people were kinda of like, Wow, you're you're starting to look like, you know in a better shape for lack of a better term, you know, it was, uh, like things, things kind of started to really change in that respect
2: quite quickly. There's, um, so when you, when you go to the keto diet, you know, it's very muscle sparing. So you can do, um, a pretty significant caloric deficit and, um, not have to really worry about muscle wasting, uh, in mm-hmm. terms of like losing weight, you know, it's mostly fat, but by the same token, there's, there's like this whole uh, other level of unlocked potential um, mm. that you don't really see uh, unless you activate it. And that's kind of where exercise can come into play. And it's like you said, you know, it can can help you to uh, get into better shape both aesthetically and metabolically. Um, mm. yeah. So it's just, you know, you got to get there and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is and
4: that like kind of the... That-
2: Go ahead, oh, I was, Rebecca.
4: I was going to say, go
5: oh, it's also and creating a, a sense of stamina or ability mm. to strengthen yourself, you know, energetically yeah. and physically.
2: Yeah. And too the idea of being able to go through and put yourself through a workout, you know, purposefully putting yourself in a situation that's uncomfortable as mm. uh, a way to kind of build your willpower. So there's yeah. A, Definitely, And I've yeah. noticed
3: that it gives kind of a mental boost, too, not just while you're exercising, but it lasts throughout the days when you're not exercising. You just feel, well, I feel a little mentally sharper.
2: There was a study yeah. that was done, it was a kind of a meta-analysis kind of thing back in, I want to say 2012. And um, it was a group of uh, Taiwanese PhDs, and they were looking at... Um, strength training as a way to improve uh, psychological mood uh, in the elderly I can't mm. remember much of the specifics but you know um, there's a lot of information out there as far as uh, quote-unquote cardio being beneficial for for mood um, but there actually is also uh, a lot of uh, benefit to resistance exercise um, in terms of you know boosting. Mood and uh, your, uh, I guess, what would be the word? Uh,
3: endorphins?
2: Well, we used endorphins, but also kind of like your uh, your view of your self-esteem. That's okay. what I was looking for. Yeah, okay.
1: Well, it's interesting. There there was a study, actually. We published this on SOT back in January of 2009. The article was called Exercise Gives the Brain a Workout Too. And it was really interesting because they were basically talking about how kids who had PE class – prior to uh, a more difficult um mental class were performed a lot better in that um mental class like math um than kids who had uh PE after the class like they it was actually twice as good they were performing twice as well so yeah, obviously like exercise does have a very beneficial effect on like you know mental uh exercise as well um they talk about in this uh, article that um uh, exercise actually produces uh, something called BDNF, um, which is what they call miracle growth for brain cells. It helps uh, grow new brain cells, helps brain cells stay alive longer, um, and helps in the learning process. So there is a, a very real physical effect to that. Aside from just, you know, getting moving and, and kind of getting your energy up, um, there actually is like a, a physiological um, process that goes on when you exercise.
2: And going along with that, you know, that kind of makes sense to me because the brain, uh, we know that the brain runs better on ketones than it does on glucose, actually. Mm. Uh, the brain can use lactic acid uh, to function and perform better than on ketones. So mm. it makes sense then, you know, you you perform this physical work and so you've got all these endorphins going on, which makes it easier for you to kind of like, you know, take – take on a difficult task, but at the same time, it gives you this lactic acid boost that will help you to focus. But yeah, that makes complete sense to me. Yeah. Now,
1: they're talking about in this article, too, that uh, incorporating physical exercise into the class with these kids. They talk about one uh, one thing where uh, there was a student kind of learning v- new vocabulary while doing balance exercises, and that that kind of improved the their ability to pick up new vocabulary so it's it's like it's kind of like almost a, an idea of remodeling the classroom, not having these kids just kind of sitting there in their seats having to stay still while they you know learn by rote It's kind of uh, a, a new idea of actually um you know somehow getting physical movement involved with the learning process
2: so vocabulary hopscotch, yeah <laughs> there you go,
5: <laughs> yeah, kind of on yeah. that line um there was an article on. New York Times back in 2012 called How Exercise Can Lead to a Better Brain and basically neurologists and psychologists or neuroscientists and psychologists have been researching this relationship between the benefits of exercise mm-hmm. and brain power for over 10 years and they came out with these findings that it's, it is just a relationship that it is the relationship so mm-hmm. they use some sophisticated tech to um, examine workings of individual neurons and the makeups of the brain matter itself and they discovered that exercise appears to build uh, a brain that resists physical strength uh, shrinkage and enhance cognitive flexibility so as the latest neuroscience suggests it's it does more to bolster thinking than actual thinking does. So that goes like right along with what you were saying, Doug, about kids. So if you can bolster this connection early in life, you know, like the the jumping on the trampoline and saying UBCs or whatever it is, it's, hmm. it's that those connections
4: boosting
3: the thinking physically. Yeah, is that the the same study where they studied these mice and they divided them in the four groups? Uh, where they kind of changed their living environments. Like one group was just mice in a cage with nothing in there, and another group, uh, they got just some dull kibble, no toys. Uh, One group had a running wheel and no toys. One group had a fully done-up cage, and they had all these toys and lounge areas and a bunch of good food. And the only thing that made a difference in the brain function was whether or not the mice had access to a running wheel yeah that's Mm. the same study yeah
1: wow yeah it just goes to show so what are okay so we've covered some of the mental benefits what are some of the physical benefits of uh of exercising
2: well um definitely when you're doing resistance or or weighted exercises uh you're going to increase because of the load uh you're going to increase the bone mineral density, which Mm. is definitely good in older populations. Mm. Uh, The, again, with older populations, you see what's called sarcopenia. And really Mm. all it is is the wasting of of muscle from disuse. Instead of, you know, it kind of disappearing with age, it's because they don't do anything. So it'll, you know, counteract sarcopenia. Uh, It'll increase your, um, uh, your basal metabolic rate, uh, improve mitochondrial density, mm. uh, improve mitochondrial efficiency.
3: Um. Well, speaking of old, on lots of studies where, uh, I guess falls are a big concern with the older population. You fall, mm-hmm. like, you don't really last much longer after that. Um, And a lot of the falls are due to lack of balance, lack of coordination, and muscle tone. So they uh, put a bunch of senior citizens through exercise programs, and it prevents falls.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I was actually, somebody had put forward a pretty interesting idea. Like, um, is it that these people fall and then break their hip, or is it that their hip breaks and And then then they they fall?
4: Yeah, it could
2: Mm -hmm. be. Yeah so this is it's the perfect way to you know get them active and to to counteract that and you know kind of prove their life because if you've got a bunch of people that are in and say a nursing home it's just kinda like there's not a lot for them to do there. So giving them things that they can do and interact with their people like that is phenomenal. hmm
1: Yeah, there was an interesting article actually um uh that Mercola um wrote back in oh actually it was very recent it was uh October 2nd um and it was saying like exercise can regenerate muscle tissue even at an advanced age um and it was basically just talking about the fact that you know the the the, the you know the people tend to think that you know once you you reach a certain age it's called, you can't really do um, these kinds of resistance exercises anymore. That uh, you know, it, it's it, you, you don't have the ability anymore. It's if you haven't been using it all along, um, you know, uh, a senior is kind of uh, uh, already past their prime and they can't do that kind of thing. But it, he was basically saying that you you absolutely can and should um, because, uh, like you're saying, sarcopenia. Um, uh, he, he makes a really interesting um, uh, example here where he just says, you know, when people are younger, they actually have more muscle than they need for their daily tasks. So they're, you know, it's no problem to like, you know, climb a flight of stairs or um, get out of the car or whatever, um, you know, physical things they're doing on a, a daily basis. Um, but then as you grow older, your mus- you start having this uh, this uh, muscle wasting and um, suddenly you're not really able so you know, the, the amount of muscle that you have starts to go below that point of having enough that like more than enough that you need. So suddenly like little daily tasks, like getting dressed become difficult because you no longer have more muscle than you actually need to be able to to do it. So uh it, it just kind of shows the importance there of actually using your muscles and um, increasing muscle mass and and getting um Uh, physically in shape so that you never get to that point where you don't have um, everything that you need.
2: Yeah. The, when you go to the store and you'll see uh, elderly people kind of walking really slow and they're kind of hunched over Mm -hmm. they've got a walker and it's a very, you know, difficult task for them. And it's, it's very much because they don't have the, like you said, they don't have the excess uh strength or muscle mass to to be able to perform these you know very simple tasks mm-hmm. and it kind of seems like there's this idea that like like you said that it's you know just something you have to accept with old age and so you kind of get uh kind of complacent and just kind of accept it as if there's nothing you can do when the reality is very different you know mm-hmm. all you have to do is start just take wherever you're at and kind of go from there And then slowly but surely, you're going to build up your strength and all of a sudden you're going to see these major changes. But it's not like, you know, it's not like it can't happen.
1: Yeah, I actually was speaking to somebody recently. They were telling me about, um, I think it was their aunt, um, who is 87 years old and is still playing hockey. Um, yeah and she's like getting getting on the ice and skating around perfectly uh able to do so i mean obviously she's not throwing body checks or anything like that but uh <laughs> but uh you know but yeah i mean and she's planning on retiring her, her her number is 88 so she plans on retiring when she hits 88 um but i mean it just goes to show you like she's never stopped playing hockey her entire life so she's never lost that ability
2: there was one. There's a video on YouTube, or actually a couple of videos. It's this guy. Uh, I can't remember where he's at. But he's in his uh, late 80s. Ne- no, he's in his early 90s, actually.
6: Yeah.
2: Huh. And um, he does body weight exercises in the. There's a big like outdoor space with a bunch of parallel bars and pull up bars and stuff. And he's out there pretty much every day, come rain, sunshine, or snow. He's out there, wow. and he's able to do some pretty amazing feats. You know for anybody, much less for somebody who's ninety something yeah that's amazing so that's a load of that's a load of hooey yeah absolutely,
3: Adam, you had a good uh definition of exercise you were talking about before,
2: yeah, so this comes from Doug McGuff's book, Body by Science, and mm. kind of gives you an idea of of what exercise really is um because according to um you know the mainstream. Um the anything like the definition of exercise is any physical activity uh, done with the intention of improving some facet of health, and that can pretty much be a very wide variety of physical activities <laughs> um, but the one that Doug McGuff has is a specific activity that stimulates a positive adaptation that serves to enhance fitness and health. With undermining the latter in the process of enhancing the former. So it's about improving your health um and fitness without compromising, say, the um the joints or mm-hmm. uh or something like that. So, you know, um something like a, a clean and jerk. You can you can perform this in a in a way that you know you have good form and it'll kind of give you some benefits, but at the same time, if doing it with enough intensity to really be beneficial, your risk of injury is extremely high. So that, by this definition, isn't really considered exercise because you're compromising your health in in search of improving your fitness. It mm-hmm.
3: is a jerk.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's where you've got the, a barbell in front of you and you've got some weights on, on it. And, uh, essentially you'll, um, you'll perform a move where you are it up to your chest as you're dropping your body down and then you'll push it back over your head
3: as you stand up
2: as you stand up.
3: Okay.
2: So that's the yeah. whole movement. And in order to have enough weight on there for it to actually be beneficial. It can get kind of scary.
5: Yeah, so moms do that all the time when they pick up kids. <laughs>
2: More or
1: less. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know that I necessarily agree with the whole danger aspect of it. I think. I, I think that might be exaggerated to a certain extent. I mean, I, I'm actually a, a, a fan of, of weightlifting and, and doing these kind of Olympic Olympic lifts and things like that. I'm actually a, um, a CrossFit enthusiast. And,
4: um, yeah, I I know. Well,
1: I know we disagree on this, uh, on this, and there's a lot of CrossFit haters out there, and I I get that. And I I don't think that it's, um, you know, that the, the complaints about it are without merit. But, um, I've, you know, for in myself, I've been doing it for about two years now, and, uh, the improvement that I've seen has been pretty remarkable, and I haven't come across any kind of injury um at all and I think these things can be done safely as long as they're done properly and somebody knows uh you know it's important to have a coach who who kind of knows what they're doing and and can uh you know assess form and um and you know don't I think that a lot of times when injuries happen or when people push it too far and I know that in a CrossFit environment it can people can get that kind of intensity where they've got to you know do more 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 um, and I think that that is, is rather unhealthy and that's what can lead to injuries and stuff. But I think if you take it slow and you kind of don't increase your weight too quickly and kind of listen to your body and, and kind of know that, um, you know, pushing past those um, natural, um, you know, when your body is kind of telling you to stop, to push past that is not, uh, not the best thing to be doing. Um, you know, recognizing whether it's kind of your emotions telling you to stop versus your, your actual body telling you to stop. Um, I, I think it can be done um, in a safe way, and I think that it is, is quite beneficial.
2: Well, see, that's the thing, um, you know, listening to your body and all that. Um, in order to, well, let's say, get the most bang for your buck uh, as far as exercise is concerned, you're going to be pushing yourself to the limit, mm. and um, it's it just gets extremely dangerous to have A weight over your head when you're pretty much at the point of positive muscle failure Mm. that's dangerous Um, Mm. now you know what you said about uh, the Olympic lifting being a a useful tool yeah no I agree it's definitely a way to uh, improve yourself Um, but I think Olympic lifting should be uh, left alone for those who are Olympic weightlifters Mm. (laughs) Uh, and that's just kind of my opinion um, because, like, you can do a deadlift and you can do a squat, and that's one thing. But when you start getting to Olympic powerlifting, that's that's something that I think should be left alone for those that are, like, actually trying to be Olympic weightlifters.
3: That's what they do in CrossFit? Like those big Olymp- Olympic w- lifts?
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah the most, doing... it's, it's part and parcel of, of the way it is, because the idea is that um, you're looking to – um, and this uh the idea of activating fast-switch muscle fibers with fast, powerful movements,
4: yeah.
2: when that's not exactly, like the term fast-switch muscle fiber doesn't, it's not fast-switch fiber because it performs these, you know, it has to perform these fast movements in order to get improvement. Uh, it's actually how fast it can fatigue or it does fatigue. And so the or the reigning idea is that you have to, if you want to activate these fast twitch fibers, you have to do these kind of uh, power movements. Um, when really it's just you have to have a significant weight uh, to reach momentary muscle failure within about like a minute and a half.
3: So some of these CrossFitters are just attaching under this word "fast" and just taking yep. it to the extreme and,
2: and literally running with it. <laughs> so are they
3: doing these type of exercises every day?
2: Not every day. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, there's, uh, there's certain things that you can do um, or that you would do, say, every day. Um, but even in the start world, there's still, you know, the idea of you have to let your body rest. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to do the exact same things. Like a deadlift, you're not going to do that every day unless you want to hurt yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I know you rotate through different different exercises. Uh, So you're not doing the same thing
1: every day, but it's also big on um, uh, emphasizing functional movement. Um, So, you know, when, when they, I always use the, the example of like a pull up. So you've got a pull up where, you know, you're on the bar and your, your hands are facing away from you and you're kind of pulling yourself up in that way Um, versus something like a chin up where you kind of, your hands are kind of facing you and you're pulling yourself up that way. Well, if you look at like functionally, what you'd be using this kind of muscle for? It's something that you would use in climbing. Well, you're never going to be in a situation where you're climbing with your hands
2: facing you, or at least very rarely. You're not really going to do well, um, that that kind of I, Biomechanically speaking, it's actually the the body's function is such that the a chin up is more aligned with the way that the body moves. Um, so you may not necessarily climb with your hands facing yourself but if your goal is to improve your fitness without compromising health, AKA, uh, grinding joints, um, then you would actually want to do uh, a chin up over a pull up. Just yeah. Well,
1: I, I don't know, but are you going to use that movement and in, in, in kind of when, like in, well, in your that's life? The thing, that's
2: the thing. Like if you, if you're able to do a weighted chin up, uh, you will be stronger, and it will allow you to do more work um using those same muscle groups. It's not like you're suddenly gonna get stronger and weighted weighted chin ups, and then all of a sudden you go to climb a rock wall, and it's like you can't lift yourself up sure like that just that whole idea is just such a a load of crap. Uh,
1: I don't know. I, I disagree. I think I think that if you you know you you learn to do movements by performing those movements and doing a, an and exercise that's yeah. that's different. Doing an exercise that's 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 different. Well, it might it might get you there, but um, I don't know. I see a lot of value in kind of like mimicking the movements that you would use, you know, out in in life, out in when you are doing things.
2: And it's like it's like really what you're talking about. Um, what you're talking about doing is uh, taking your body and making it functional. It's not like the, the weighted movements that you have to do have to be these quote-unquote functional movements. If you were stronger in a bench press than you were six months ago, you were able to perform more work. Um,
6: yeah.
2: And so that's going to translate over into whatever you do. Now, when you do these things that you're not really used to doing, like, say, rock climbing, if you first start rock climbing, uh, you're going to be very inefficient in your movement. And so performing more of that movement is going to get you to where you are able to do more work more efficiently. But that does not mean that you have to rock climb with a 45-pound weight strapped to your chest. Right.
3: Do people do that?
2: Uh, more or less. Yeah. Well, as you can so see, there's it, some differences like in philosophy
1: a, here.
3: Why don't you guys just take it to the ring?
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's
1: not well. True. Listen, Adam. Adam uh, does martial arts, so I, I don't think I would even attempt that. <laughs> uh,
2: but yeah, no. If you say we'll look at somebody like Mike Menzer or Casey Viator you know these were these were bodybuilders back in the back in the 70s and 80s and these guys were huge but they mm-hmm. were also incredibly strong um mm-hmm. i i read a story of uh ray menser and his brother uh mike how they were able to perform one legged leg presses with like 650 pounds for rest
4: Whoa. that's cow. incredibly
2: strong that's incredibly oh, man. strong and so so if you kind of take the idea from CrossFit that it's not a functional movement it's like so you're telling me he wouldn't be able to walk up a flight of stairs like no. efficiently or effectively or like he wouldn't be able to carry an immense load like right. that's kind of what you're telling me with this whole functional no, movement. No, it's not at all. It's not at all. Doesn't translate over.
1: No. And I don't I don't think I, I think that the the whole functional movement thing is a um a uh what's the word I'm looking for? It, it it's a philosophy, right? I, I don't think that it, it that necessarily negates the other. That it's like you have to do functional movement. Uh, it, it, it's, it's an approach. It's a, it's a way of doing things. It's like, you know, what I think um, for me, I, I like the, uh, the functional movement philosophy and that that's what I'm pursuing. I don't think that that then you have to turn around and say, therefore, everything else is crap. It's, I, you know, I don't think that that there's not there isn't room for both.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. There's there's definitely room for both. Um, I think, however, what you kind of want to do uh, say if you want to get into MoveNet, you know, you want to be able to, to do um, handstands or like walking on your hands. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of cool, personally.
3: Yeah. That's just fun. That's
2: just fun. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. what you could do is you could do um, once or twice a week, you could do some high-intensity resistance training to get yourself stronger. And mm-hmm. then on your days off, have some fun, you know. Yeah. Try walking on your hands a couple of times. <laughs> And so yeah. that's kind of how I see it uh, being most effective and efficient uh, and safe. So that way you're not trying to do too many things at once. You know, you have your exercise, and that it's going to get you stronger. But then you also have the, the functional movement training that gets you more effective at doing whatever it is you want to do, be it rock climbing mm-hmm. or handstands or backflips or cartwheels. Yeah.
6: Yeah, no, I totally agree.
1: I totally agree. But I I don't, I don't think that that therefore negates CrossFit. I think you can, you can work both in, I mean, there are, you know, there's things like rope climbing and, and handstands and that kind of stuff that you do um, in CrossFit. So I think it does bring in those elements as well.
2: Yeah, no, it does. Um, It just seems kind of like an inefficient way of like doing things to me. Uh Like you could be far more effective and efficient uh, getting your, um, Metabolic efficiency up, increasing mitochondrial density, and, and whatnot by doing the high intensity strength training without the Olympic lifting uh, tied into that. So, you do, say, like a chest press on a machine uh, or uh, a leg press machine, you know, whatever it is. You do these machines and you do them to high intensity, so you're stimulating this growth. And then, day, you make it fun. Uh-huh. You know, mm-hmm. you do your cartwheels and your handstand, and it's not like you're not doing the handstands or the cartwheels or whatever it is. You're not doing that to, to make yourself um, or to improve. You're doing it to kind of improve coordination. Mm-hmm. And so that's, a, that's kind of where I'm coming from in, in terms of CrossFit is that, you know, I like the idea of doing these different things in order to kind of like, uh, on the one hand, you know, have fun, but also make your body more functional but you're also not trying to do that as a means of improving fitness because that's kind of where you can run into problems. It's like, you know, if you're trying to read a book, watch TV, text your friends, and go to the bathroom at the same time, like, you're not going to be efficient at anything. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: I I guess I don't know that that analogy necessarily uh – Crosses over just because uh, in CrossFit you're not doing everything at once. It's not like you're trying to multitask. Um, you're doing one movement oh, at a seen, time. I've
2: seen a picture of somebody doing a jerk on top of a bansu ball.
1: Okay,
4: but that's that's a bit that's not something that you yeah. actually do. Yeah, yeah. No, I get I, that. that. That's, that's the
2: thing.
1: There's extremes out serious. there for sure. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you there. Yeah. Um, but it, it's interesting. I mean, you brought up doing, uh, machines, um, and it, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, 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 there is kind of a, a, a line of thought out there that, uh, that using machines for, uh, things like bench press and, uh, and leg press and that sort of thing is that you're not, um, by using machine, you're isolating muscles and that that's maybe not such a good thing because, uh, you're not engaging all those kind of stabilizer muscles that have to go along with the movement. How, how do you feel about that?
3: Well, can I interject here? Sure. Because <laughs> I to to. Now I've done super slow, but let's just squash the east side, west side, <laughs> yeah. the feud here. But um, I've done super slow before, and Doug McGuff, Dr. Doug McGuff, he advocates using machines because if you're really trying to work out your muscles to failure, you don't want like a hundred pound barbell above mm-hmm. your head so it can accidentally fall to your head. So that's the reason he advocates using the machine, it's, right?
2: It's all things being equal in terms of, you know, the form and the intensity of effort and all that. All things being equal, uh, the risk of in- in- injury is less mm-hmm. on a machine than it mm-hmm. is with, say, no a barbell. No doubt. Um, so that's kind of where he's coming from, is all things being equal. It's slightly safer to do it on a machine, and that's why he advocates mm-hmm machines is because of that, uh, uh safety issue. Um, mm-hmm. but um, you know, if you, if you know what you're doing and you've got good form and you've got somebody who's watching you, uh, you can perform a deadlift you know, on, with a barbell and it'd be just as safe mm-hmm. as doing say a trunk extension. machine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. kind of where he's coming from. Um, but all right, cool.
3: Well, I haven't done super slow. I mean, as a woman, I don't care how much weight I can lift. or yeah. <laughs> my And that brings me the thing. Women kind of sometimes are afraid of lifting weights because they'll think they'll you know, get super buff and have these massively <laughs> gigantic
4: muscles. And yeah.
3: that, and unless you're just taking it to the extreme like some of these female bodybuilders and maybe taking – steroids or yeah, things see, of that the, sort?
2: The women who are actually like um, the the unnatural bodybuilders with the women mm-hmm. that are just huge and gross yeah. looking, like that, <laughs> that is a steroid thing. That is not yeah. natural. So you can't, yeah. you can't say that you're going, like if you're just you know, if you're a woman and you're going to the gym once or twice a week and you're doing heavy lifts, that does not mean you're suddenly going to grow six inches and become (laughs) like man woman. Yeah. What it's actually going to do is actually give you curves. Yeah. Shapely Mm, curves that are, you know, attractive. Nice.
3: Nice. Yeah. But I've noticed doing super slow, which is super difficult because you have to lift the weight. The heaviest weight you can lift basically or maybe a little less, Um, lift it for 10 seconds and lower it for 10 seconds until you just can't physically, it's just physically impossible to lift any more weight. And you do that like a series of, he calls them the big five exercises. So you do that and it doesn't take very long because if you're doing it correctly, you will get tired very fast. And that's your workout, and you do it once a week. And I noticed that I gained a lot of strength. I could tell week after week that I was always having to go up on the weights that I was using. Mm-hmm. But I never became like super muscular, buff.
1: No, I mean it's, it's the it's the difference really between pursuing uh, pursuing fitness versus pursuing bulk. Like, you know, the, when when you look at bodybuilders, like, those people are going to a lot of extremes to try and build mass. And it's more about the look than it is about um, actually being functional and fit um, and having, you know, the ability to kind of, uh, you know, move about your environment in a more efficient and, um, like, stronger way. So I think, uh, you know, women who are afraid that suddenly they're going to look like one of these, these steroid freaks – it's it's really, you know, it, it's all about what you're pursuing. You know, if you want to build up that bulk and mass, there are ways that you can do it. Obviously, there's ways that you can, you know, adjust your diet, um, adjust the supplements you're taking. And it's all about the pursuit Definitely. of mass.
2: And, you know, going along with, you know, if you really are, you know, searching for the, the biggest possible size that you can get you know you can adjust your diet and supplements like you were talking about but there's only so much that your body can handle your body's frame yeah. uh is you know pretty much dependent upon genetics so genetically speaking you can only do so much mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. if you want to be in a pro bodybuilding contest you have to be able to exceed your limitations mm-hmm. uh which means steroids or growth hormones yeah. Or whatever it is, in some way, shape, or form. I remember there's this. Um, it's kind of big in South America. It's this. I can't remember what it is exactly, but what they do is they take you know a, a couple hundred CCs and they inject it into their muscles. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, their muscles just swell up to this mm-hmm. size. And what ends up happening? you know, These people are looking for size without trying to do any work or effort. To get that pump. That pump. Yeah. And what ends up happening is that their muscles swell up to such a huge degree that it actually rip open, it rips open their skin.
4: Ooh. Oh, yeah. Jesus.
2: So yeah, when you talk terrible. about like some extremes, like, yeah, you can, you can get there.
3: Well, Any of <laughs> you ever heard of, what do they call it? and where you put these bands, I think it originated in Japan. Occlusion and I, training. Yeah. Yes, occlusion training. And you put these bands around your upper arms, like above your biceps, or you put them on your legs, uh, like right beneath your gluteus maximus and your, your hamstrings and quads. And you do like lightweight, but a lot of reps. And mm-hmm. they say it gives you that pump. And of course, I tried it.
2: Tiff, <laughs> you're a guinea pig. Yeah. yeah, I've seen some people do that, and they have blue arms. Yeah. That's not oh, good. Jesus. You know, it's all these
1: things. Like it's 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 all like you, you by doing these things, you know, you're gain you might be gaining. Um, things as far as like the look goes and like and how muscular you look yeah. but I look at how much that they're actually sacrificing like look at the the sacrifice you make in flexibility by being like super huge like that like how good is it to be super huge if you can't actually turn your neck very much because your your muscles are just so huge
3: you know so it's you like you can't even put no. your arms down <laughs> we'll see that exactly a, that's
2: again like one of the things with and that's why I don't necessarily really like eating bodybuilders as examples because they, they're they not natural. So you can't yeah. really say what a natural person look like because that is not natural. Um, no. You know, when when they get to be these huge monsters and they can't put their arms down by them because their lats are so big, it's like they just, you know, it's like they're trying to do the Superman walk all the time.
4: <laughs> you know,
2: that's not a natural thing Um like with. Uh, Casey Vietor and Mike Menser, as an example, you know, they were very guys. They actually had really surprisingly good flexibility. Ah. Um, And that was actually uh, because they weren't trying to, I mean, they just had really good genetics. And that's really what it came down to. Like Mike Menser was about my height, but he had a wrist size that was about three times the size of, of mine. Mm. So, the reason why he was able to be so big, I mean, yeah, he did take some steroids, but he also <laughs> had huge bones.
4: <laughs> so, he
2: just had really good genetics. But he was still mm. able to be pretty flexible because he still kind of stayed within his his uh, his limit.
3: Wow. Well, that reminds me of an article that was posted on SOT recently. It's called "Bodybuilders Shown to Have Weaker Muscles Than Wimps. Yeah. And... They did a study, and they, show, they found that gram for gram, bodybuilders' muscles are weaker than those of people who never touch weights. Um, hmm. The bodybuilders, they have really large muscle fibers, and they're capable of training a lot of force than the average person. But they tested like a gram of the bodybuilder's muscle versus a gram of um, so-called wimpy person's muscle, somebody who didn't weight train. And they found that the wimps per gram, the muscles were stronger.
2: And I went actually looking to find the study itself. And, uh, unfortunately, I could only get the evidence. I can't uh, say what, when they're talking about bodybuilders, I can't exactly say who they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so there could be a lot of um, factors that's not taken into account. Um, you know which is to say that you can really draw anything from that because you don't really, uh, have, or I don't really have access to the information so I can't say what kind of confounding factors there were that would have um, mm. you know kind of allowed for this kind of uh, finding but when I did look at it uh, what was kind of glossed over in the article was the very bottom the power athletes so they had a comparison between power athletes, um, bodybuilders, and the untrained, a.k.a. the wimpy people. Mm -hmm. And what they found was the power athletes were actually significantly stronger gram for gram than both the wimps and the bodybuilders.
3: So power athletes are people like sprinters.
2: Yeah, sprinters. So the high-intensity, low-volume people actually had much stronger muscles and... So when I was reading it, my takeaway was, well, obviously, that means that we should do high-intensity effort training with very low volume
4: Mm.
2: instead of the opposite.
1: Yeah. But that
4: kind of
2: completely missed
1: the the news. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's what I took out of it as well. Like, I mean, it comes back to that whole thing, Um, you know, a a bodybuilder, quote-unquote, is somebody who is, you know, just trying to build mass. And like we were saying before, somebody who's trying to kind of like get the look, get their muscles as big as possible. And it makes sense to me that somebody who's doing that sort of thing and, you know, using the supplements, changing their diet, that sort of thing to get bulkier. um, Yeah, that makes sense that their muscles maybe wouldn't be as efficient because they're really just pursuing that bulk. Um, They're not necessarily pursuing functionality and strength. Whereas a power athlete, you know, getting bigger is is more a, uh, a side effect. You know, it's it's what they're trying to do is improve their performance. So it makes sense yeah. that their muscles would be more functional than than somebody who's just trying to pursue size.
2: And see, here's another part of that is um, so everybody has different genetics. And so the, the expression of that is going to be variable for different people. So some people are going to be um, their genetics are going to kind of dictate that they're going to get a lot of strength without a whole lot of size. And that's just kind of genetic. There is no training that's mm-hmm. going to change it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so those kind of people are actually going to gravitate towards, um, say like, you know, power lifting, you know, where you're in a certain weight class. And so you want to be as strong as possible within that weight class. So the people who have really good genetics, Uh, in that regard, where they have a a very high power to weight ratio, they're going to naturally gravitate towards that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas somebody like a bodybuilder, a natural bodybuilder might be more on the opposite side of that. So they're going to get a lot of size without a necessarily huge amount of uh, strength increase. And that's, Mm -hmm. again, just kind of genetics, which Mm kind of takes me into the whole idea of sarcoplasmic versus myofiber uh, training, which is just nonsense. So it's like mm-hmm. this idea that you can train one way for size and one way for strength, and, you know, your genetics has nothing to do with it, and that's completely farcical. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no, like, like I did P90X, like, 10 years ago, and he was saying that, um, you, know, you do six to eight reps for size and then twelve to 10 reps for strength. And that mm-hmm. that is just nonsense. There's there is an idea that or what we've seen is that you can get a uh increase in strength gains within a certain repetition range. So if you do twelve to fifteen reps you will be stronger in the twelve to fifteen rep range. Uh, but that does not mean that you're going to get stronger without getting bigger. You know, if your genetics is such that if you get a little bit stronger, you're going to get really big, that's just mm. going to happen. So you can try and do the whole strength thing without looking for size, but if that's your genetics, that's what it is. Yeah. So again, yeah, it's kind true. of going back to, um, bodybuilders that they have this, um, like they're they're big but they're not strong well that's not exactly true um Mm -hmm. it's just that their their genetics are that you know they can get a little bit stronger and they just naturally get really big and then Mm -hmm. you also talk about bodybuilders being quote-unquote having a puffy look that Mm -hmm. comes with all the stuff that they're taking as Mm -hmm. well as having you know say on their bulk cycle um if you have if you're on a bulk cycle, that means you're putting on fat, which is going to round out your muscles. So Mm. it's not that they're getting stronger. It's just that they're adding more fat to their Mm. body at the same time. So there's a whole lot of myths out there. And it's, yeah.
3: (laughs) If you're in the process of like tearing down muscle to build it back up again, does your muscles retain water? Is that part of what contributes to that pumped out, bulked out look too?
2: Um, repeat that again. I'm sorry.
3: Like if you're exercising,
2: okay. like
3: strength training, mm-hmm. and you're, you know, lifting heavy weights, and that kind of tears down your muscles, and then you,
4: mm-hmm.
3: you're going back into where you're building your muscles back up. Does that make your muscles retain water?
2: And well, your body, your muscles are mostly water. Mm-hmm. So when, say you're doing a, a round of, of strength training and you get a good pump going, that's actually blood. Um, so, uh, so that's kind of why it, you look bigger when you have this pump going is because of all the blood that's there, and when you're trying to, uh, get rid of all of the, the worn proteins that are you know, in your muscles, that's going to take more blood and as well as more water. And then when you're building up your muscles again, uh, that again is going to take water. Um, so it, in a roundabout way, yes, but I don't think it's what you're kind of thinking it is. Um, you know, there's the idea that taking creatine is just going to add on water weight, but that's, that's not true according to what all the studies that have been done on it, it actually increases muscle mass and muscle mass takes water. Um, so does that kind of answer your question? Okay.
4: Well, maybe we should get
1: out, sorry, maybe maybe we should get get away from some of the minutia here of, uh, of weightlifting and things like that and just talk about like approaches to exercise. Because, like, I know um, a lot of people um, kind of, you know, the, the, the whole cardio myth has kind of been around for a long time. When they, they You know, it was, it's been thought for a long time that the, the whole benefit of exercise is just about burning calories. So the more calories you can burn, the better your exercise is. Um, you know, and that's what's led to things like uh, marathon training and that sort of thing. And also what leads to people thinking that just by going for a walk, they are, you know, th- that's enough. They're getting enough exercise. Um, but I know that more recently, it's, it's been shown that actually doing resistance training, which is actually lifting weights using your muscles, whether that be through uh, body weight exercises or actually like lifting barbells or using weight machines or something like that, is actually much more beneficial and has benefits outside of the actual um, exercise session. So I don't know. Would what, what, any any comments on that?
2: Yeah. Um so if you're looking to say lose weight the most efficient way is to strength train. Uh as far as you know doing quote unquote cardio goes, um so you have your basal metabolic rate performing physical activities going to raise uh your energy expenditure, but as far as, you know, the kind of like expenditure increase over time uh versus not really doing uh, cardio per se, but just kind of like going about your daily tasks of, you know, doing the laundry and washing your dishes and stuff. It's like, it's so insignificant. It's just like, why? Yeah. So like doing quote unquote cardio as a, a means of burning extra calories, it's like really just kind of like, you must not like your life very much. <laughs> your time is so invaluable that you could just, you know, throw an hour a day at walking on a treadmill and going nowhere, like really.
6: Well,
3: I like walking, but I consider it as a form of exercise as far as reaching some kind of goal. I just do it because I like it, and walking Mm -hmm. on a treadmill for me is like torture.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But see, you can watch (laughs) Docs Girl at the same time.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, you can exercise and get indoctrinated by the mainstream media at the same time.
3: I'd rather do it outside in the fresh air, in the sunshine, or have the wind blowing on me, mm-hmm. hearing the trees rustling, versus being in some gym where they have Wi-Fi in a uh, Fox News. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: That kind of
5: speaks to the whole, you know, Western idea about exercise as a whole. And I'm with Tiffany on that. Like, the, I've never been to them. And the one time I did, I I walked on a treadmill while I was like, Blown away, like, well, I could just walk outside. You know, this yeah. is not happening. No, but also that whole environment of like people lifting weights and the whole um,
3: it becomes a very physicality
5: kind of thing. You and know, you see
3: people actually posing in the mirror.
5: Yeah, <laughs> and then it becomes this whole weird um,
2: narcissistic thing.
5: Exactly. Exactly.
2: Well, you've got, um, yeah, no, I agree. Like. Uh, you can you can go to a gym and, and it's just it's a toxic environment for the most part um, because there's so many lies surrounding it. It just you walk in and you kind of feel it. Mm-hmm. But I mean it's kind of a necessary evil in one respect. But as far as kind of getting back to the uh, to the cardio aspect, um, which I mean I can kind of segue. So uh, I think and this is kind of like a view that I've been kind of mulling over in my mind was that so a lot of the the recommendations for physical activity or quote-unquote exercise so they're recommending you do all this exercise kids should get an hour of exercise a day or whatever it's not exercise per se
4: mm-hmm.
2: it's really just physical activity it's going out there doing something that's fun and mm-hmm. i think kind of going along these lines when you talk about how physical activity is really beneficial. Just any kind of physical activity, you know, rock climbing, dancing, whatever it is, uh, has a lot of benefits for your mood. And so I think, personally, that if they, if the mainstream was meant to kind of take what we know from the research and kind of really put it into context, it would be uh, you should do high-intensity strength training once or twice a week, maybe more, maybe less, depending on and how you respond. Then as a supplement to that, doing something that's fun physically a couple times a week or every day even. Mm-hmm. You know, if you like to go outside and run just because you like running, do it. But don't do yeah. it because you have kind of like obligation to exercise. If you think rock climbing is fun, do it a couple yeah. times a week because it's fun. It's a good expenditure of energy. It gets your endorphins going. It it kind of relieves stress in that way. But then when you kind of have these recommendations that you have to go to the gym, Mm -hmm. you must walk on a trip, like that just adds to the stress. It doesn't help get rid of it or relieve it. So as far as like a recommendation goes, you know, strength train once or twice a week and have some fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, Sorry, let to interrupt you there, Adam. Go ahead. Uh, so, going back to what you were talking about earlier with with cardio, just to kind of explicate on that. Um, so, people do cardio because uh, it's supposed to have a beneficial effect on your cardiovascular system. And so, what you're really looking at when you're talking about these kinds of improvements is the cardiovascular system really only supports muscular work. So, the reason why you have some kind of metabolic improvement from running, uh, it's actually because your body is doing physical work mm-hmm. and, you know, running specifically because your legs are the biggest muscles on your body. So, when they're talking about, you know, doing cardio, that's kind of what they're talking about is doing uh, physical work with your muscles that your body has to process. However, it is an extremely inefficient way of doing it. Um, what, what has been found with, uh, in particular high intensity training, um, or like, you know, high intensity resistance training, whatever you want to call it, um, you are doing maximal effort in a minimal amount of time. So it's like doing sprints, but on a chest press Mm -hmm. and anybody that's done a workout with me will tell you once you get like, even doing one set of, um, say arm curls or bicep curls, you can do it to such a high intensity that you're like you want to die off that one exercise and your heart rate shoots through the roof. Mm -hmm. And that is where you're producing a whole bunch of um, metabolic byproducts of exercise, which is what you would do when you're running. But because you're doing so much in a short amount of time, it's like sprinting. And so you can do sprints to improve your cardiovascular function, which is really just kind of like a roundabout way to say that you're more metabolically efficient. Um, And any improvements that you see in your cardiovascular system are because of your uh, efficiency in uh, performing muscular work. So you can do sprints or you could do high intensity strength, where you're minimizing your rest time between work, uh, between um, exercises and it's incredible there was this one study that was done I will in the 70s um, it was check total conditioning what they did but they had two groups of um uh people uh they were they were in the army and so they had these two groups of people one peop- one group uh was doing you know the high the higher volume strength training and then a separate session of cardio And then the other group, and that was done, you know, a couple times a week. And then the other group was um, high-intensity strength training under the supervision of Arthur Jones. And so uh, these people under Arthur Jones' tutelage were doing these high-intensity strength training sessions where they would do uh, eight to ten exercises, things like the chin-up, the pullover, the chest press, the leg press, leg extension, and stuff like that. But they were done to uh, momentary muscular failure, and there was minimal time uh, between exercises. And so they kind of did this for a couple of months, and then they went back, and they kind of measured um, you know, resting heart rate, um, strength, and all these other different criteria. And what they found was that the people that were doing the high-intensity strength training twice a week we're in much better shape than the people that were doing the cardio. Hmm. So we a call. Um,
1: yeah, we've got a call on the line here cause, uh Mike is calling right now. Um, so Mike, can you hear us?
0: Yeah, I can hear you just fine.
1: Great. So uh, fine. do you have a question or a comment?
0: Well, a comment, um, you know, when you were talking about, you know, just uh, training itself, I know even myself, you know, I, I struggled with my weight and, you know, just health in general for a long time. And, um, you know, I kind of had a wake up moment and, um, you know, like one of those light bulb goes on above your head. and You know, I looked in the mirror and, you know, I was, I was 320 pounds. And I said, uh, Oh man, you know, my blood pressure was way up. And I said, you know, mm-hmm. I gotta lose this weight. You know, I was smoking, you know, two packs of cigarettes a day. And, you know, I was just, I was a train wreck, you know?
4: Mm-hmm. And
0: so, um, I said, you know, it's time, and so I went out, and of course, you know, you buy the treadmill, and and you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to lose this weight. Well, I get off the treadmill, and I still eat a Fiesta pizza. You know what I mean? <laughs> I went through that whole thing, and I, I I tried and I tried, and I and I finally I said, okay, I'm doing something wrong. What am I doing? And then it just hit me, you know, it said lifestyle change. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, and I I didn't really have like a, a Trainer or anything like this, and I just said, "Okay, what am I doing? What am I doing?" Then it, I just said, "You know, I'm on YouTube, and you know, just trying to ask questions and things." And so um it was like calories, you know. So then I'm like, "Okay, look up calories, you know." And I'm eating like, and I'm I'm joking when I'm saying twenty thousand calories a day, but that's you know probably not far off. So when I dropped my calories. You know, then the weight started coming off, you know. And then so it's, it's taken a while, but I'm down to 200, I think I'm 209 pounds, 210 pounds wow. right now.
4: Nice. That's
0: and, great. you know, so that's the biggest thing, you know, when you can do the weight, you know, the exercising with the, you know what I mean? It's a combination. Yeah. yeah.
2: You, when you take a caloric deficit and then you add in the uh, strength training on top of that, the results are just fantastic.
3: Mm.
0: Right. And then now, you know, even my blood pressure is down from like 160 minutes. now it's in the normal range.
3: Good. Congratulations.
0: Yeah. So, you know, it's just everything, you know, when you change everything, you know, I don't think it's, for me, it wasn't just one thing. You know what I mean? It wasn't just cardio, you know, it was just kind of a whole change in general. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. You can't just, you know, start exercising and think the world's suddenly going to turn bright
0: and you can't just change your
2: diet uh, or like cut your calories and think you're suddenly going to get, you know, in shape. It's, it's a whole combination of things. It's like you said, a lifestyle. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's when yeah. I noticed the, the biggest change, you know. And, and I, you know, there's still things, you know, that I want to do. But, it's you know, you can't, even when you reach your target weight, you can't go back to eating, you know what I mean, beef sandwiches mm-hmm. and everything like that. You know, so you got to continue with it. Not that you can't enjoy those things, but in moderation, you know.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But, cool. yeah, I
0: just wanted to. Yeah, I, I was listening to your show and kind of giggling at, you know, everything, even with the treadmill. You know, I did the whole treadmill thing, and I'm like, man, I, I'm walking and going nowhere. You know, this is boring. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to call Thank in and, and, and pick on you just for a minute.
4: That's great. Thanks,
0: thanks a lot, mate. All right. Bye bye now. Right. Have a good day. All right.
2: Great. Yeah. So lifestyle. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it is. It's the diet. It's the, it's the exercise. It's the, you know, work on the emotional level as well. Like all mm-hmm. of these things make a, a huge difference. And that, that's kind of something we've kind of touched on a couple of times, the whole idea of play. And that kind of brings the, uh, the emotional aspect into it, um, you know, mm-hmm. where it's not drudgery. You're not going to the gym out of obligation mm-hmm. and feeling guilty if you don't. Um, in fact, there was a study, I don't know where I read it, it was a SOT article somewhere where they were talking about how uh, going, you know, like having a gym membership is actually more detrimental than anything else because it adds that, that element of yeah. stress and guilt and all that sort of thing of like, I have to go to the gym. Oh, I didn't go to the gym today. Oh, I ate, uh, you know, a dozen donuts or something like that. And I need mm-hmm. to go to the gym and work that off. It's really like, you know, the idea of, of making it fun. Something that you actually want to do—that um, I think that is is of extreme importance.
2: Yeah, I think physicality, just in general, is something that we're severely lacking in a culture. Um, mm-hmm. The physical culture of America back in you know the turn of the century, um, it really didn't exist because people were still gardening. Mm-hmm. You know, there mm-hmm. was still a lot of physical labor involved with and
4: chopping wood
2: and chopping wood, you know, the,
4: water. <laughs> the
2: basic chores of life were still around. You know, now we were so technologically advanced and removed from from reality that, you know, we can essentially, if we want to uh, live in an apartment closed off from the rest of the world, interacting with people on the Internet, order groceries from the Internet
4: mm-hmm. and
2: pay our bills on the Internet. So you literally never have to leave your apartment. That's just yeah. not healthy. <laughs> yeah. Whereas it's before, true. in the turn of the century, you know, you had to go to the well dig water. You had to chop your own wood. You had to grow your own food. And so you were physic- very physically active. Mm. And then around, like, the the 40s and 50s, when we started really getting, uh, you know, indoor plumbing was, was the standard, mm. um, it kind of freed up a lot of time. And so what people were doing was they were playing they were playing sports. Mm -hmm. They were going outside and they were still gardening. um, But, you know, it was able to, to give them some free time to where um, like say Muscle Beach down in his California, you know, you had these amazing acrobats just able to perform these unbelievable uh, physical feats. And they weren't, you know, they weren't going to a gym and like beating themselves up or anything. They were, they were going to have fun.
5: Mm-hmm. Break mm-hmm. dancing.
2: Break dancing, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah.
1: I often think about uh, if we could travel back in time and kind of tell somebody from like the turn of the century what the future is like and how people, you know, go to these establishments with machines to in order to work their muscles. People would just be horrified.
2: It's like you do what? Yeah. What? Why? People, That's the people stupidest thing I've ever heard. To this place to walk on a machine and go nowhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> about it. <laughs> it's insane.
3: Yeah, but the one thing a lot of these activities have in common is that they all are taking place outside mm-hmm.
4: in mm. nature,
3: in the fresh air, in the sunshine. So that makes me want to talk about Move Nat. Has anyone ever done that? I've seen videos of it where the guy's like in the forest and just jumping around and climbing trees and jumping mm. in the lake and lifting boulders and stuff. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I think that's fun. I don't know that I would necessarily consider it exercise, you know, because yeah. it's kind of dangerous, some of the things that, that yeah. you see do. Um, so I don't know that I would consider that exercise per se. But as far as, like, having a great, looked like he was having the most fun since he was a kid. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I love the carnival tree. It was fun.
2: Yeah.
5: The tortoise of the group over here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I really liked um, last week. We had Yarrow Willard and his whole idea of going out in nature and slowing everything down
4: Uh as Mm -hmm. well
5: too. Like probably the the opposite of that Mm -hmm. that you were talking about, but just uh, being present, really Mm -hmm. in the environment outside and being present in your body, Mm
4: -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you
5: know coming back in, grounding, you know, and in, in even barefoot if you can, mm-hmm. and um, this whole aspect of, of getting energy from the environment around you, I really liked mm-hmm. that, that idea, mm-hmm. and um, it kind of struck me, there was an article a couple of weeks ago about how we sit too
4: much, mm-hmm. and and,
5: and as Adam was discussing, this idea of the fact that you can sit in your chair and not leave your house for, you know, eight to ten hours a day and how there was a study done about how fidgeting might help counteract that. And so if you're a fidgeter, you sit it, especially if you do a desk job and you find yourself constantly shifting around and moving and fidgeting and and, and being, you know, moving, 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 it's actually – better for you than just sitting still. This The importance mm-hmm. of standing up, stretching, and then the article, and it was on Science Alert, um, they talked about how just walking outside for for a few mm-hmm. minutes or walking your dog or standing up, and it, it actually makes a difference in your health, in your cardiovascular,
4: mm-hmm.
5: um, you know, just having that break of this sedentary lifestyle.
2: Well, we don't really mm-hmm. think of it as such, but it's actually extremely stressful. And
5: mm-hmm. uh,
2: mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, to to be in that kind of environment where you're sitting, or if you've got a desk job, you know, you're kind of cooped up for long periods of time. That is stressful, and we don't really think mm-hmm. of it as stressful because we're not getting chased by a bear.
4: Mm-hmm. But
2: nevertheless, it kind of it it shows up mm-hmm. uh, uh, as a as a stressor. And so, interestingly enough. You know the fidgeting is kind of like it's a it's a way to physically get rid of some of the uh, the stress, the physical stress. You know the the stress hormones. So mm-hmm. something like um, and this is something that I've been experimenting with lately. It was uh, neurogenic tremors, which is essentially mm-hmm. kind of like a a fidgeting or almost like a well, it kind of looks like a seizure, but. Um, it's the exact same thing, you know, it's, it's a physical way to literally burn up the, the, the stress hormones. And so, yeah, you know, if you're sitting down for a long period of time, you don't realize it, but you're actually stressing out your body. So you have to do something to get rid of it.
3: Hmm. Yeah. That's why it's important to take breaks. If you're trapped in an office, sitting in a cubicle, looking at the blue screen on your computer under fake fluorescent (laughs) lights, as much as you can, you can go outside and just walk around, even if it's in the city, walk around your building, get some air, get some natural light shining on you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting, the whole thing of kind of connecting with nature that we were talking about with Yaro last week, like Erica just brought up. Uh, It makes me think about yoga. And how that's kind of a, a really interesting kind of physical exercise that you can do outside. And it is kind of a slow, a slowing down in a way. It's not like kind of vigorous exercise. It's more like uh, uh, just kind of slowing down, holding poses, kind of, kind of gives you more of an opportunity to, to connect with your environment a little bit more. Now, uh, Erica, I know you're a, a yoga instructor. Have you, have you done
3: classes outside much? Oh, yeah. Um, We did one a couple weeks ago. (laughs) It was beautiful. It was so awesome. I still can't stop thinking about it. Ah. Yeah, I mean,
5: for about seven years, I solely taught outside, and I I felt like it was such a gift to be able to Mm. do that because you're not in the confines of a studio or a gym or an environment. And... um. Really, the most important aspect, like I mentioned earlier, was just being physically present in your body. And that's one thing that I really learned as a teacher in teaching and in practicing myself was that a lot of people aren't in their body. They are Mm -hmm. hovering outside of their body or they're living in their mind. And it really, like you said, slows everything down. I always tease that I'm the tortoise moving Mm -hmm. at this very slow pace. Because I want to be physically present. It's it's a very hard practice, but um, it happens slowly. It's a lifetime, really, and um, you know, just coming back in into the body. And for a lot of people, you mentioned the word yoga. Like I always resist wanting to say I'm a yoga teacher because usually mm-hmm. there's a facial expression that like no no oh you. Contemplating your navel or you want to raise your Kundalini or you know and, and I, I'm more about the idea that um, It's about calming your inner state and actually creating a sense of being and being physically present and Being able to observe what's happening in your muscles in your breathing in your mind and not being attached to an outcome So Mm -hmm. all this Hmm. talk about exercise and cardio and calorie restriction and all this is is almost the antithesis of that. And I wanted to comment earlier, you know, this whole idea of power yoga has become very popular, and it really is completely missing the mark on what the whole idea of yoga is. And for those who don't know, um, the word yoga in Sanskrit just means to bind or or join, or attach life, like a yoking, and it's basically concentrating your attention and um, a union or a communion with the one, whatever that may be, God or Buddha or whoever, Jesus or Caesar
4: or whoever you <laughs> <laughs> this,
5: this idea of yoking of all the powers of the body and the mind and the soul And It basically is a disciplining as well of your intellect of your emotions of your will And and bringing you back into that present state and in that present moment And and I have taught power yoga classes and like you guys were saying about CrossFit and the gym and whatnot I really saw this whole thing in a power yoga class where people were really missing the whole point that the Mm -hmm. idea and foremost of yoga is the breathing and Hmm. you know it's been said by gurus of yoga like iyengar who brought yoga to the west that once you practice conscious breath you are practicing yoga once you connect Hmm. with your breathing you are practicing yoga you are coming back into your body you are uh creating a sense of awareness that we tend to lose when we're you know wanting to walk on the treadmill or going to the gym it's like i got to get this thing done and and we're we're stuck in the the future or we're stuck in the past but we're never present in the moment and mm-hmm. as a teacher that was my biggest suggestion to people when they came to the mat was be in your body at this moment one breath at a time
4: your inhale
5: your exhale you're here and notice sensations that are happening because you know like anything some days you don't want to go to class but but it's almost like the the discipline of going to the mat even if you just lay there for an hour and and mm-hmm. notice your you know and the importance of coming there and letting everything go like i had a teacher once say coming to the mat is like a magic carpet ride you know you you're you're there you're present you're open To what's going to happen and um, Iyengar did say and I wanted to address this idea about flexibility because you know a lot of students the first thing they'll say to me when they come to class is I'm not flexible Mm. and there's a basic premise in Hatha Yoga which is what Iyengar taught Um, it's not about flexibility or the ability to do different postures or tie yourself in a knot or be a pretzel or any of these things Mm -hmm. it's about awareness and awareness of the body and awareness of the breath and with that awareness and from that awareness comes control and control comes you know so basically hatha yoga trains your mind as well as your body you focus your attention without lapse you cultivate patience so this idea to learn to be like the tortoise And move forward steadily no matter how slow your progress is, right? So you Mm -hmm. resolve to practice being with the experience and in the present moment and enjoy yourself and let go of expectations. And we see this a lot in the yoga world. Well, I can't do a handstand (laughs) or I can't do a one-arm balance or any of these things. That kind of takes away from the whole idea. The idea is... To, again, be with the experience and like any sort of exercise, the more you come to the mat, the more you practice, the better you're going to get. It's it's not having an expectation, you know, in, in that moment. Like, oh, today I'm going to be able to stand on my head. <laughs> All those things, you know, again, are expectations and, again, people wanting to be where they're not at. And so as a teacher, that's my biggest Suggestion to people, you know, oh, I I can't do yoga, I'm not flexible, I don't want to do yoga. You know, there's so many different types of practices out there. And I'd say if people are interested, the best place to start is is something like a restorative yoga or a gentle yoga, which is Mm -hmm. focusing on the breath first and foremost, and then finding your way into these shapes whatever they may be, and all yoga postures are, are you know, either animals or um, things in nature, tree, or, you know, they even have uh, the bird of paradise, which is actually a very complex posture. But, uh, you know, this idea of providing that opportunity for breath. So I always start my classes, come to your body, come to your breathing, notice the rate of your respiration, so I used to have these moms that would be running to the yoga class, and they'd get in, and they'd be like,
4: <laughs> I, mean, I mean,
5: I got the daycare, and I got to, you know, I got the car, and I,
4: you know, and then
5: I would always start the first five minutes is just find a seat. <laughs> find yourself. And notice your breathing. Are you panting? Are you, can you slow it down? And after about five, ten breaths, into the nose, out through the mouth, using the belly, it's amazing to watch people's facial expressions change. It's almost like a softening in, in mm-hmm. so many ways. And by the end of the class, people leave and, and their facial expressions change radically. You know, these mm-hmm. these this what we've talked about in past shows, this vagal tone, this stress in the eyes, the stress in the forehead, the clinching of the jaw, the tension in the shoulders. All those things start to leave when you connect the breath with movement.
2: Yeah, and I think what, what you were uh, you know, just the commercialization of yoga, you know, the, the idea of going to a yoga class, it's not to, to center yourself, to be with yourself. Um, it's, you know, to burn calories and to get flexible.
4: Yeah.
2: And it's like, that's not, you're completely missing a
3: point. Yeah, that's the fitness industrial complex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, it gets competitive, too. You know, can you do this pose? I can do this pose.
2: Can you do this one? it's like a narcissistic thing. Mm -hmm. It's like trying to one-up everybody.
4: And you have to have those special yoga
2: gear... Oh yeah. yeah. Yoga pants. Yeah. <laughs> Those are not pants by the way. Stop wearing them outside of the gym, please. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah,
2: yeah.
5: I really I really saw that, you know, and now they have all these festivals and you know, you go into a class and there's two hundred and fifty people mm. and I'm in the back of the room and I'm thinking, Dear God, these people aren't breathing <laughs> when
4: yeah. or you know
5: the guy is like <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and 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 as a as a teacher and as a human being, <laughs> I'm concerned because the whole point is being missed. It becomes this form of aggressive exercise. Mm.
4: I'll make
5: a note about Bikram's hot yoga mm, yeah. not a fan hot not, yoga. Not a fan. <laughs> I had an a older woman tell me one time sure if you're a 14 year old Indian boy that might be a good practice
6: <laughs>
4: but for
5: most people and I would say a lot of my clientele were older people The relaxation benefits, as we've talked about in previous shows um, with aeroolis breathing is the Mm -hmm. most important. And really, again, you know, having people develop a conscious awareness of their breath throughout the day. And and this idea of emotional excitability, like you're in a stressful situation, somebody cuts you off, notice instantly how your breath, to transition to your, how your body responds, the tension and, and all the aspects that come with that and just this constant diligent practice of being aware of how your breathing is affecting your physical state.
2: Yeah, you talk about how uh, strength training can improve posture um, going along with what you're talking about with being in your body if you're really able to be present and you know, your shoulder is where it should be, and it's not, like, up by your ear, you know, holding this mm. kind of, like, tension unknowingly. If you slowly start to understand and see that in yourself, then you can work uh, to improve it. And so instead of having tension headaches in your neck, it'll go away because you're no longer holding the tension there, you know. Everything's where it should be. And mm. that's definitely something that you don't see in a commercialized yoga setting, no, definitely no. not. It's a fashion show. <laughs> yeah. My <laughs> leopard yoga fan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, speaking well, of the uh, whole mindfulness thing. Oh, sorry. Were you going to say more on that? Oh,
5: no, no. Go on.
1: Well, I was just going to say, speaking of the whole mindfulness thing, there was an interesting article on SOT a while ago talking about kind of the the mind body connection in relation to exercise. They talked about a um, uh, a, a study where uh, which what was it called? Okay, exercise is good medicine for preventing and reducing angry mood. Oh no, that's not the one. Um, I can't find it now. Anyway, it was uh, an article where they actually were talking about how thinking about exercise. Actually, can have benefits as well. And they did this study Mm -hmm. where they put um, a cast on um, on people's wrists, and they divided them into two groups. So they had this this cast on for four weeks, and the one group just kind of went about their daily life, whatever they were doing. The other group they told uh, to for 11 minutes a day, I think it was, think about exercise and think about specifically exercising that area, thinking about exercising that wrist, you know, doing exercises that would kind of strengthen the wrist and what the wrist. And what they found was the people who had uh, been thinking about exercise were something like twice, uh, had twice the muscle mass there when the cast finally came off versus the people who, who kind of just went about their daily life. So it just really kind of goes to show you how powerful our mind is in relation to our bodies.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. You know, Well, I mean, and it kind of makes sense to, to think of it that way because uh you if you're sitting here and you're you imagine yourself getting chased by a tiger you, you will you will your body will respond physically as if it is being chased by a tiger
4: <laughs> so
2: i mean if you have this the same stress response to you know to just image of being chased by a tiger as as being actually physically chased by one then I don't see why that wouldn't be the case, you know, where if you're thinking about exercising, your body would respond
3: in kind. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. makes me think of people who have phantom limb syndrome, like they have their arm or leg had to be amputated and they have these pains in there, even though they don't actually have the leg. And they've done experiments where they put a mirror beside them so their leg is reflected to them and the pain goes away.
2: Hmm. Weird.
3: Yeah.
1: Very strange. Cool. Yeah. So I guess uh, if, as long as I sit at home and dream about exercise, I'm okay uh, not going to the gym. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's
2: <that's>
1: fine.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I can just There's think also, about playing
2: ultimate frisbee. Yeah, exactly. Well,
3: yeah. I, uh, Tif-
5: Tiffany wanted to talk about this article that recently came
4: out. Oh, I did? (laughs) I don't have
3: any notes on that. (laughs) But there is some drug company that decided that they can put exercise in a pill. I think you have it, Erica. Yeah, it's
5: called Straight Lazy Butt. The world needs exercise pills. And basically, just you know to kind of rant on that a little bit uh pills are going through animal trials that um, are attempt to mimic physical activity, so things like burning fat, forming new blood cells, and regenerating old cells enhancing muscle fibers and so just you know that whole idea, like we we're talking about thinking about it, well, if you're too lazy to think about it, maybe you can take the pill. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know then I have to open the bottle and get, send it down <laughs> you gotta remember when to take uh, it
5: the article this good little sentence in it that uh, sounds like a lot of ticket of prescription men <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah uh, it seems to me like in order to make that effective and we kind of mentioned this in the in the pre uh it seems like you know in order to do to do all the things that it's talking about, it's going to have to be a combination <laughs> of green tea extract, a little bit of antibiotic steroid, and just a hint of Viagra. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Perfect cocktail. <laughs> oh, man.
1: Kind of crazy. But yeah.
2: the the whole idea that you can somehow bottle everything, is just, where, where, where do they, like... What world do they live in? Who do they think they are? Power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Our. laughs>
5: yeah. But you can see, you know, like in the article, they talk about, oh, the couch potato. You know, he he thinks about exercise, and then. He doesn't really do it, but he can just take this pill now, get off the couch for two seconds, get the pill, and lay back down. <laughs>
2: yeah, or you can get one of those little, like, shock belts that you can wear around your waist that'll, like, make you contract your,
6: your muscles and then somehow
2: going to, like, freeze and I don't even know. Yeah, you can build your abs while
1: you're sitting there watching TV. It's really convenient. Yeah, I'm going to watch American
2: Idol and get my workout.
1: <laughs> yeah well you know getting back to the whole thinking about exercise thing i know there's a um they've, they've done experiments with um i don't have the details on it but they've done experiments with uh with performance like sports performance and things like that where um they have the people kind of think about things so like they'll take a golfer you know and they'll they'll say you know think about um, your swing like think about uh, you know picture yourself at the golf course and hitting like the perfect drive and that kind of thing and, and they've actually found that it does improve your game so even if you aren't actually going out there and playing but you're kind of meditating on this and like kind of thinking about it and picturing it and really kind of visualizing and getting yourself there uh, it actually has marked performance uh, uh, improvements. so and yeah, again, just getting back to the whole mind-body connection, there really is um, something going on there.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: It seems like if you're doing something like that, you know, uh, and I know what you're talking about because I read it a while back, um, you know, um, if you were going out to the range and, you know, you're just working on your drive um, and you're just kind of whacking it and you're not really thinking about it, I mean, you might see mm-hmm. some improvements, but it's not really going to, uh, help out too much because you're not really being mindful of it. But you, if you're doing kind of both at the same time, you know, you're really paying attention to how you're you're doing all of these things, um, mm-hmm. and actually, you know, going out and doing them. You know, that's it's kind of like a double whammy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah
4: I, I can say that
5: for yoga too. You know, um, with the practice, it's some days are good, some days are not. Um, I mm-hmm. always say to my students, you know. Come with your body where it's at today. So maybe yesterday you could do the splits. Not that I can do the splits.
4: But uh, you know, this this, uh,
5: this whole idea of play and fun. I I use a lot of humor in my classes because mm-hmm. I feel like people have this whole expectation. Again, as I mentioned, of where they want to be at instead of where they really are. And so mm-hmm. things like balancing poses, right? Um, Flying, I always say, you know, I, I used to trick my students, and so we'll do this, we'll do uh we'll, do we'll do warrior one, we'll do warrior two, now we're going to go to warrior three, lift your leg up and fly, <laughs> and they would, I, yeah, I would get them to a place where it was fun and try it. Mm. If you fall over, you know, try not to knock everyone else over in the class,
4: but that's fun.
5: Like, <laughs> like this idea of, of letting go of your expectation and, and having some fun with it and being like a little kid. I mean, teaching yoga is funnest because they will do some of the craziest things, and, <laughs> and you know what I mean? And, and this idea of letting go of that expectation that, that you have to do this or it's required of you. It's it's fun to play around and be safe at the same time and breathe
4: Mm -hmm. you know you Mm -hmm.
5: people their face gets so constricted they're trying so hard to touch their toes you know you got to smile you got to enjoy it be with the experience you know
2: so if I smile Mm -hmm. and imagine myself doing splits (laughs) I I can eventually do a split
3: and take a pill
2: (laughs) (laughs) take the split pill (laughs) oh god (laughs) Great.
1: All right, well, has anybody got anything else to add as far as our, our subject of exercise goes? We've got uh, Zoya's pet health, uh, pet health segment that uh, she talks about exercise in that as well. But uh, before we go to that, does anybody have anything else, anything interesting they read?
2: Um, not really interesting, but I'm, I don't know that we ever really got <laughs> down to the whole like recommendation part unless we want to hold off on that until after the segment.
1: Uh no, we can go into it now.
2: Okay. Um so just kind of a review of the research. Um, in terms of getting the most bang for your buck, you know, uh improving your fitness, um while also without undermining your health, um the the basic recommendation uh get people um more fit. fit. Uh, is actually to do um, no cardio whatsoever, ever, (laughs) Um, uh, but to actually just do um, uh, some strength training, some Mm -hmm. high-intensity strength training. So what we mean by high-intensity is picking a heavy enough weight to where you actually reach momentary muscular failure about uh, 60 to 90 seconds And then you'll do one set failure for all the major muscle groups. Um, and so you go and you do, you know, either a squat or a leg press to address the major muscles in your legs, a bench press or a chest press for the pushing, uh, on the horizontal plane, um, a chin up or a pull down. Um, and then you've got the row or the bent over row uh, and then an overhead press or a shoulder press. And that's really all you need. Uh, just do one set to failure. Um, try and go as quickly as possible between exercises, and do that once or twice a week. And that's it. Everything else is just for funsies.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for those of us who
5: aim to behave and uh, don't have a set of weights, would uh, you know lifting your grocery bag by squatting? <laughs> <laughs> Carrying some heavy rocks across your yard um or sweeping or
2: well I think doing the physical activity is part of your daily routine. I think that's good. Um but you're not gonna still you're not gonna see the same kind of like marked benefits and strength as you would um doing those specific lifts. However, you can do body weight exercises um <clears throat> and essentially do the same thing. So um instead of doing like a weighted chin-up, you'll just do like the the upper portion of a pull-up or a chin-up. And uh, you just kind of, you you change the lever uh, that you're working against um, and make it more difficult. You know, as you get stronger, you're going to have to increase the the lever a little bit more um, to make it more difficult. But I mean, you can do bodyweight squats or pistol squats um, or uh, push-ups, handstand push-ups, you know, Whatever the variation is, depending on what muscle group you're working, but you don't have to have, you know, 600 pounds of, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, weighted plates or some kind of like barbell set up in your uh, garage or something. You know, you can just use body weight uh, and still get the same kind of effective workout in terms of uh, hypertrophy, strength uh, increases, uh, bone density increases and stuff like that. So work Mm -hmm. with what you got. Mm hmm. Use it or lose it, it, baby.
1: (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, why don't we go to uh, Zoya's pet health segment. So here it is.
7: Hello, and welcome to the pet health segment of the Health and Wellness Show. My name is Zoya, and today's topic is the importance of exercise in pets. Studies in humans have clearly shown the psychological and physical benefits of regular exercise, resulting in an improved quality of life, reduced susceptibility to illness, and increased lifespan. The same, of course, applies to animals as well. Exercise is important as it allows our pets to express their normal instinctive behavioral traits, including inquisitive expo- uh, exploration, the use of scent, sight and hearing, tracking, stalking, play-fighting, play-defensive behavior, hiding, attacking, chasing, greeting members of the same species, dealing with strange objects and dealing with animals from different species. Exercise also encourages the development of a normal daily toilet routine. Cats and dogs uh, deprived of regular exercise and confined to the home may develop antisocial behavior patterns including destructive behavior, aggressive territorial guarding, house uh, soiling, and vocalization when left alone without human companionship. A degree of exercise is also needed for normal muscular and skeletal development in young growing animals. Animals deprived of exercise will develop poor muscle uh, conformation due to muscle atrophy, and a sedentary lifestyle which will predispose them to develop obesity and other disorders. The most common adverse effect of insufficient exercise is obesity, and all pets can develop this if they are fed too much calories and especially if they are being fed dry food or other species inappropriate food. Millions of pet dogs, cats, rabbits, guinea pigs, hamsters, rats, ponies, and birds Uh, which are uh, loved in quotes by the owners are obese simply because owners do not provide proper nutrition or sufficient exercise, or because they have encouraged or enforced the development of a sedentary lifestyle. Obesity has all sorts of negative effects on the body, and it can make various diseases worse, uh, like heart disease, orthopedic disease, skin disease. uh, Obesity also plays an important role in the cause of some common diseases like uh, diabetes. Now, how much exercise should be given? Given the opportunity, most animals will regulate their own exercise. But it, it is important to encourage regular exercise from an early age. Otherwise, sedentary behavior can be difficult to change once it is established. Small pets should be given sufficient space in the home to be able to move around and they should be given access to exercise areas or exercise toys like wheels or balls. Different breeds of dog uh, require different levels of activity. Large and giant breed working dogs clearly require much more exercise than small lap dogs. Twice daily exercise periods for at least 20 minutes duration should be regarded as a minimum. You can also combine training and play, as dog training through playful behavior appears to be the most effective method of training your puppy. You can alternate commands, uh, use all kinds of props, and make it fun in general for both you and your furry companion. Cats will exercise themselves if allowed outside for sufficient period of time. Now, when you can take your dog for a walk in the park, with cats it's a bit trickier to some breeds like me, Coons, uh, could be probably walked on a leash like a dog, but for most cats, indoor exercise or playtime should be arranged. Many holistic veterinarians emphasize that exercise should be fun for the cat and for the human, and that play uh, and that play with cats on a regular basis improves their circulation, their eyes brighten, and coats and their coats get shinier. Just like humans, cats need to keep their mind alert and occupied. Daily diversions can help keep your cats active while enabling them to uh, constructively release and pent up physical and mental energy instead of taking it out on your new furniture or worse yet on themselves. Self-mutilation, excessive licking, marking, compulsive vocalization and hyperactivity are all signs of stress that may result from too little play and interaction. Some cats, if they don't get much in order to get attention, they start knocking over stuff just to play. Kittens that are full of energy will blatantly tell you that they want to play. Older cats, however, may be less forward, choosing unwanted and damaging behavior for attention. For the past two decades, behavior problems in cats have been on the rise. Some researchers and veterinarians believe that the behavior problems are directly related to boredom, depression and stress. All of these symptoms can be helped through regular exercise and play And while it's true that cats really enjoy sleeping for the better part of the day their natural instinct also dictates that they hunt, play and interact socially An indoor cat can eat her food from a well-deserved china plate Still misses the natural thrill of the hunt That's where we come into the picture A helping kitty to track down her prey In other words, her favorite toy. It doesn't matter what age, size, or breed, all cats will join in play if you take the time to find out what they like. Persistence is the key to seeing results. The more consistent you are with play, the more the cat will play, and the healthier she will become. But uh, what will get your cat to move? Experimentation is the best way to find out. Holistic veterinarians suggest to vary the activities to try to learn what your cat prefers. Toys and furniture that mimic the types of activity that cats have in the wild, such as jumping, climbing, and chasing, are a good place to start. One toy, strings, and even crumbled uh, pieces of paper allow Kitty to be the natural huntress she is. Cat furniture is not only good for climbing and scratching; it's also great for spying through windows. From the smallest ant to a group of pigeons. Diverse uh, diverse uh, sights and sounds will keep uh, the, your cat alert and entertained. All of these activities provide the cat with a great physical and uh, mental work, uh, workout while giving you both a chance to bond. It takes uh, about 20 minutes once or twice a day for your cats to become as healthy as they can be and to create a special bond between the two of you that is well worth your time and effort. Well, this is it for today. Hope you found the information useful. Have a nice day and goodbye
1: <laughs> I never get sick of those sheep. Great, thanks, Zoya. That was awesome um yeah, so uh as a recipe today uh you guys you guys had something in mind, right Are you guys there? Well, it looks like maybe we're experiencing some technical difficulties here. Um, I think that the, uh, the recipe of the day was basically to get outside, um, get out there, do some exercise, work your muscles. Um, the whole idea being, you know, exposure to sunlight, you're going to be getting more vitamin D um, that actually lowers your uh, chances of insulin resistance. So nutrients will actually be getting to your muscles. So just, uh, You know, if you are uh, one of these uh, kind of sedentary people, um, you know, just uh, adopt an exercise routine. You know, come up with something, whether it be uh, simply weightlifting or, oh, are we getting you guys back? Yeah, I think we're still having some problems here. I don't, uh, can't hear you guys if you're there, unfortunately. Um, Anyway, I hope everybody, oh, yeah. Hello. Hello. Okay, I can hear you guys now.
4: Cool. Oh. Okay, great.
1: You guys have anything to add to that recipe? <laughs> yeah,
4: we just went outside for a walk and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just got back. <laughs> that out. <for> <laughs> no,
1: that's good. Cool. All right, guys. Well, um, We'll be back again uh, next Friday at 10 a.m. with another uh, edition of the Health and Wellness Show. Be sure to tune in to the other two shot, uh, SOT programs. Um, tomorrow is the Truth Perspective at 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. And on Sunday, there is Behind the Headlines, again, at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay, everybody have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.
4: Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody.